Hey everybody, welcome to Kid Tech. I'm your host, Dylan Collins, CEO of Super Awesome. Today, a brilliant, interesting, animated conversation with Zach Ringelstein, who's the founder and CEO of Zigazoo. I think you're going to enjoy this one. Zach Ringelstein, CEO and co-founder of Zigazoo. Welcome to Kid Tech. I've been looking forward to this episode for a long time. I've been looking forward to even more. Thrilled to be here. Um, all right, I got so many questions, um, and I'm sure our audience will as well. First of all, can you, for, for I mean, a lot of people will have heard of Zigazoo, they'll maybe read some of the media about it, but they probably won't have used it or their kids won't have used it. Can you describe what Zigazoo is? Yes. So we are now the world's largest social network for kids, and we have developed this way for brands, creators, talent, regular, everyday users who are usually kids, uh, you know, to, to issue challenges and then for kids to respond creatively to them. So this looks like the NBA in their uh, recent, uh, or I guess a few months ago when, when the final series was happening, they, they issued a bunch of challenges that uh, allowed kids to respond in 30 second videos um, and then Nickelodeon during their Kids' Choice Awards, uh, they had uh, Gronk on issuing challenges like, uh, you know, uh, uh, imagine if you got slime at the Kids' Choice Awards, what would your slime face look like? All the way to educational challenges. You know, we have Penguin Random House and Simon Schuster. Uh, we, we last week had Dolly Parton reading uh, her book from uh, Imagination Library on Zigazoo, nice. asking inspirational questions. You know, when LeBron James came on and read his book, he he asked, you know, what's one promise you can make to yourself? And so anyway, so kids are, are basically building their own worlds with their friends, but in a really safe and moderated way. So we are kid safe, COPPA certified. So every single kid who is on Zigazoo has gotten high level parental consent. And uh, it's a fully moderated world where literally every single video gets moderated for what we call school friendliness, um, which means that we're moderating uh, for everything from from language to PII to dress, so that uh, it's a safe and and fun world. And and what I love about it, just real quick, is that as a former teacher, uh, one of my goals was to get kids to the top of Bloom's taxonomy. So that means I want kids instead of just passively viewing things or regurgitating facts onto a standardized test through bubbles, getting kids to create their own worlds to be able to create. The word create is really big. Uh, for me and my purpose on on this earth. And I, I love the, the fact that Ziggy's all about kids creating video content and uh, being the owners of their world as opposed to kind of just passively consuming videos. And so it's a really fun place for me to be in as a founder of this company uh, to watch this happening on the, on the biggest of, of scales and, and levels. And do you, I mean, you talk about creators a lot. Like, do you, do you see the platform as being more of a creator platform for kids rather than a social platform or rather than a community? Do, do you even use those terms to describe it internally? Sure. So we think of everyone as a creator. In fact, right. close to 50% of anyone who goes on is going to create a video. So it's really, really high. Wow. Um, it's really amazing. Actually, I think this is partially generational. And then partially kind of, you know, how we are subtly pushing folks to create, giving kids opportunities to create. Um, but, you know, the whole premise is that you're issued a challenge and then you accept the challenge, you do it and you earn things for doing that challenge. And, and we think of uh, everyone as, as creators in, in, that, in, that, in that way. 
So, so you feel that is, you know, a, a distinct trait of this generation of kids, this sort of generation alpha that's, that that's growing up. They're sort of much that much more kind of bias to create bias to publish. Is that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, every kid's different. I mean, yeah. you know, you've got your extroverts, you've got your introverts. We have kids, you know, we, one of the stars from Stranger Things just launched her challenge on Zigazoo, um, you know, but we also, you know, kids who are more introverted, right? And so right. definitely every person comes with their own unique way of being. I mm. think that though that even, even with that, there's cool opportunities to create video content, right? If you're you know, not someone who wants to go on stage and create a video, you can still produce a really amazing video um, using the tools that we have um, and using some of the new music catalogs that we're bringing on. And so um, we're finding that there, are, uh, it, it's more um, kind of, you know, part of the DNA of this generation to, to share yourself and your digital identity online. Uh, and one of the things that, that, um... I think is quite notable about Zigazoo and you've had a lot of coverage on is your work in releasing various NFT collections. So you've worked with Moonbug um, and, and others. So you, I, I know you released um, collections around Coco Melon and Blippi and a few others. Can you talk about, I, I think this is probably one of the most common questions I've heard, like when, when your name comes up, can you talk about how NFTs and Zigazoo works with this audience? Sure. So one of the things that, we know is that web three even though we're in a bit of a crypto winter winter right now is going to be part of our kids lives in in many ways moving mm -hmm. forward uh, my belief is that web three will be the infrastructure of everything we do in our digital lives which is obviously a big part of our lives now for the most part um and so first and foremost we felt that it was incumbent upon us as uh, you know, a, a company at our scale, uh, trying to really push the leading edge of, of kids and digital to find ways to interact with Web3 and give kids opportunities to learn the skills of Web3. I think one of the interesting things about Web2, if you really look at the companies that won in the space, is that I think, you know, sometimes there's this feeling that Web2 companies control us. And I think the promise of Web3, although it's not always the way that it's, uh, I think, been perceived in the last year, year and a half, is that uh, Web3 gives you a, more ownership over your domain. And so we're excited about that promise and excited to educate kids on that promise. And so what we've done in that way, we I actually have, um, uh, we, we have uh, Nyla Hayes, who's the biggest kid NFT artist in the world. Uh, she's just incredible. She did the Long Necky Kids Collection with Time Magazine. We also did some work with Moonbug, with Cocomelon and Blippi, which are two of their titles, as well as Serena Williams's uh, family doll, Quay Quay. And we did these like really fun drops. And then alongside those drops, we gave kids opportunities to mint their own NFTs through our platform mm -hmm. contest. And, you know, one of the exciting things as uh, the world uh, develops and changes is that we're seeing that there are really interesting ways for the blockchain to help you cement your identity in safer ways. So, right, so Web3 can be uh, a mechanism for a safer uh, internet so that you have less bots and 
It also gives you really cool opportunities in the future to move between worlds. So we build on the Flow blockchain and you can imagine a world where on Zigazoo, you have an avatar and then you could move to other worlds with the same gear uh, or skins or avatar. And so uh, there's a lot of exciting things that I think the blockchain you can uniquely do and you, you being in the game sp gaming space, I'm sure, sure you understand and, and have thought through this, like how, how cool it will be um, you know, when you can, uh, you know, manage that digital identity into your physical world, into your various uh, identities and, and spaces online. And, and, uh, and, and we're really excited about, about the future there. Yeah, multi-dimensional interoperability. It's definitely going to be a phrase that we will hear over the next the, the next couple of years. I think. What do we the, call that? Am I? Am I? Am I? Am I? Yes. We'll have to. We will. We'll have to. We'll, yeah, we'll have to coin it coming out of this episode. Multi-dimensional interoperability. That's. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. It, all right. It makes at least. It makes you sound very smart, Dylan. <laughs> which is. That is that is a that is a gift for our audience, um, but I I think this topic is super interesting. You know, in terms of like what kids and this generation of kids think about Web three and crypto and and like what they understand of it and what they care of it. Like, do you like for, like when you when you look at all of the drops that you're doing? How what sense do you have about? kids that are excited by this because it's it's sort of a collectible in the traditional sense i suppose versus it is actually being you know enabled as as sort of a web3 architecture and it, it brings that sort of potential interoperability to the table so i have a lot of thoughts on this uh uh so number one i don't think kids care i don't think they should right. care. they should care as much about crypto and web3 in uh, unless they want to be a coder and a developer and actually like, dive into the lease, which is something that we we have like channels to support. Um, but for the most part, the general public should be aware of the tools and should be engaging with them in a way that empowers them to kind of create in ways that they have more ownership over. Mm. Um, but the the reality is, is that you should, you know, you, you shouldn't really have to care too much. And that's why we decided to build on flow, right? Mm. The whole idea is that you can, uh, you know, basically manage your whole world without these very complicated passwords that you would need uh, in order to uh, exist in other on other right. blockchains. And then also, um, you know, you're able to transact in US dollars. So it makes it feel, you know, like a normal user experience. And so I think it's really important, um, you know, for uh, if we want crypto to reach uh, the, the masses, it needs to actually serve real function and utility as opposed to just be this exciting thing that that people pile into and i think it was you know a lot of adults uh who piled in you know in the last six to eight months um in ways that you know sometimes weren't always uh sustainable and so i think this is the moment right now in this crypto winter to build in utilities for kids and adults that actually serve you know, a greater purpose and then actually build in those utilities. So, um, so I think that, you know, we, we've done uh, educational uh, moments, for example, Nyla, who I mentioned earlier, came on as our uh, community educator. She's on my mind because we just had lunch with her family. Um, oh. I, I literally just ate cal calamari uh, <laughs> uh, on the, um, over here in Miami. 
Um, so, so, uh, but, but Nyla came on as our community educator and supported folks in understanding the language of Web3 a little bit. Um, and then we have some like really prolific artists, actually, some kid artists who, who are sharing their work mm -hmm. and then sharing some fun tips about Web3. But again, I think, you know, really and truly it's a technology and it should be really more of an infrastructure that supports really exciting things like, what do we call it? Uh, multi-dimensional interoperability yeah, yeah yeah things things that just like wow you right like where you can, <laughs> yeah. right like have your shield in zigazoo and then bring it over to fortnite that should be what web3 really does and then you go wow that's really cool i don't even know how that happened but you know it mm -hmm. was because of the blockchain can it can it just effectively look like magic where these things show up do you think like i mean this is kind of more a cryptocurrency point than a, or a question than an NFT question. But like, do you think this generation of kids thinks of of kind of crypto and and that community as being theirs, like generationally theirs, in sort of the same way that that like when MTV came out in the eighties, like that was sort of seen as like that generation's, it was like theirs. It was very much kind of their cultural property. Do you, do you see any kind of, I mean, maybe we're, we're too early or we're too late for that, but I'm just curious if you see any evidence of it. Interesting. I think, I think definitely Gen Z. Um, right, right. Certainly owns that identity. I don't see it, to be honest, like mm. as like rampant in the kids mm. world you know we see what trends on zigazoo right and yeah right. trending on zigazoo um you know i mean definitely like this idea of you know being uh a creator uh you know i mm -hmm. think we cite we cite a lot of studies you know i'm not sure if you've seen these stats but like 50 years ago uh it was astronauts you know that everyone right. wanted to be um and now it's influencers right and we do see that we do see that kids really yeah. love you know, to um, create uh, videos. And, and you know, I, I think that could be a negative. I think people see the negatives and they can be cynical about it. But I think there's also a lot of talent, uh, mm -hmm. talented kids who are, who are learning self-confidence, you know, through through this. Uh, we, we see that trend. We also see like toy trends. We see gaming trends. We see that kids are very natural, for example, at assuming a digital identity, unlike mm -hmm. I was, right? Like I had right. AIM growing up and, um, you know, I think it's taken me a while to like know how I should display myself online. I think kids uh, are pretty natural at it. I, I don't think though that at this stage, the kids, the the, the two to 12 year olds um, currently are uh, owning crypto. I think that they um, probably for the most part know what Web3 is better than their parents. Right. Um, but I, but, and they're not as a, maybe as like fearful of it or negative about it, but I, but I don't, I, I wouldn't say I have, I've, I've per perceived that like they own that culture um, mm. in the way they own other, other parts of their culture. I mean, it, it, it'd be interesting to, to, to ask that question again in three years time and sort of see, you know, see, see what that trend looks like. I don't think um, it's the currencies. I mean, I don't think, you know, when, when you think about MTV, what was it? It was, it was, um, you know, Madonna and like Nirvana and mm. uh, you know what I mean? Like, like, I think more so it's, it's like gaming and social mm. media and, and create, you know what I mean? And, and these like viral moments uh, that, you know, that, that have, where they have their own Nirvanas and Donnas. Right, right, right. And, 
do you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, they, yeah. like people that we that we may not know as well. Uh, and that's actually way more decentralized than MTV ever was. Right, right. I mean, it's 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 right. the meme, the meme culture rather than right. rather than anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's true. Man, we we could do it absolutely like a whole episode on on that specific topic. It's it's I think there's there's a lot to unpack in that. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. The I want to I want to talk I want to talk financials though and investment because you relatively recently um raised a I think it was about 17 million dollars um from a whole range of extremely interesting and exciting um and indeed many cases household names um you had and I'm not going to list them all although feel free to but you definitely had the NBA you definitely had Serena Williams I think you've got Jimmy Kimmel in there. And um, who who else was in was in that round? So we, it was led by Liberty City Ventures, um, and we had Mac Venture Capital and Talus Capital and Causeway. Those are uh, you know some big VCs, and then we had uh, some of the names you just mentioned, as well as uh, Charlie and Dixie D'Amelio, um, and uh, a, a, a slew of others, including like Anna Mocha. Um, and like one football and a number of other kind of big, big time entertainment brands who also, you know, joined the round. So it was, uh, you know, a great, a great crew to bring together, um, around something. It, I mean, it's, it's, I'm, I'm always like so happy and pleased and impressed. Like when I see those kind of investment rounds going into, you know, kids, digital companies, cause they, it doesn't actually happen all that often. Right. Um, I mean, can you talk about why some of those investors were excited about Zigazoo? Sure. So I think what we're doing, first of all, um, you know, has a higher calling to it, right? I mean, there's mm -hmm. a, uh, an opportunity, like every single week we have a celebrity come on who does a celebrity reads, right? So we had, have had LeBron James on, we've had Dolly Parton on, recently we had Matt Damon on talking about water.org and and I think there's, you know, we have such scale now that it's, you know, an opportunity if you're, um, if you've, for example, written a children's book uh, to share, you know, your message with with kids in a very direct way. Um, mm -hmm. So I think there is a lot of meaning in it. I also think that, you know, the scale we're at and the scale where we're headed is really compelling, um, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, the future. I think what we're doing by way of social and the blockchain is really unique, right? We're um, linking utility to uh, to social. And then we also um, are doing, um, you know, I think one, one of the fun things about Zigazoo is that uh, it's all in the flow of challenge, response, reward, right? Mm -hmm. Which is, I mean, if you think about like arcades or any fun games you've ever played, that's exactly what it is, right? You, you have a challenge or a, a game and then you respond to it however you you know, one, then you get a ticket, you get tickets, and then you right. get to go ahead and, and buy what you want to buy. And I think, um, you know, we've been able to develop out a very different kind of social community around vertical communities mm. uh, with kids' interests uh, that's really fascinating that develops fandom in a very different kind of way than other more generic apps do. And so you take the NBA, for example, which we love, um, you know, as a teacher and as someone who Bill Zigazoo on like a foundation of safety and getting kids up and moving as opposed to just sitting on their couch. Like it, it really like moves me to see like the NBA want to get involved because mm. first of all, I was an NBA fan growing up. My dad's a basketball player. I love, I love, you know, the idea that like a fan fandom in sports, because right. I think it's, you know, 
uh, a really a, a really healthy outlet. So so anyway, so they you know you think about when fandom develops, right? When when do when, like I, I'm a huge fan of New York sports teams. I loved you know in baseball Derek Jeter growing up, right? When did I develop? Uh, that love of Derek Jeter is when he was, you know, winning, winning uh, his world championships, uh, the World Series in, two, in 96 when I was 10 years old, right? right? And so, you know, our sweet spot for age is six to 11. So, you know, if, you know, when we have a world where, uh, you know, the NBA realizes that these fans are going to develop, you know, underneath their feet, and how do you reach, you know, how do you reach kids in a healthy and safe way? And they, and they mm -hmm. understand that Sega Zoo. Um, and so we're building opportunities for kids to develop their fandom, to learn about their favorite players, uh, and to even earn like, you know, swag and gear and all that sort of stuff, um, you know, from, from these sports leagues. We just did a big Zigazoo day actually with, uh, the MLB at, uh, Mar uh Miami Marlins, hmm. uh, stadium and, and, you know, partner with their kids club. And we actually had a kid who won, um, like a casting call to sing, take me out to the ball game during the seventh inning stretch. And so there's all these really fun things that we're able to do that are both a mixture of kind of IRL, so in real life and, and, and the Zigazoo kind of contests um, in ch challenge realm. That's very cool. And how big is the team behind uh, all of this, Zach? I, and I, it's probably been expanding, I'm sure. Yeah, so full-time, we're between 20 and 25 right now. And then we have, a, uh, as you can imagine, the operations are pretty significant when it comes to like the ops uh, moderation, we have a big creator community, Zigamom's community. Um, it's it's uh, there, there's multiple layers. So you know when you think right. about our community at large, it's it's over a hundred. Wow, very cool. And yeah. um, like, how do you? I mean, designing um, apps and sort of UX for kids is 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 a challenge because you know most designers and developers are not themselves children. Like, do you guys do a bunch of focus tests or user testing or like, how, how do you iterate and get feedback on all of this? Yeah, you know this better than anybody else probably in the industry. Um, this is this is a really interesting uh, question because um, number one, uh, you know, I, I will say that Leah and I, my, my wife and I co-founded this because I didn't even talk about our founding story, but yeah, we, st we started this very first couple weeks of covid you know, hmm. March 2020. And, you know, we were, we were doing it in response to the pandemic and right. it literally started with like little challenges. Like, can you make a volcano out of home ingredients? Can you make a balloon powered car? We were issuing the challenges at first. Hmm. Uh, and, you know, we were leveraging our knowledge as teachers. So I was uh, an elementary school teacher. And then this is our second company. We had an ed tech company called U-Class that we developed and exited in uh, 2015. And so we have a bit of experience in that realm, which definitely helped. But then what we did immediately, literally immediately, was we built what we call our creator community, which was a group of families who, um, it's usually uh, you know moms and dads and their kids, who uh, basically are our sounding boards for every decision we make uh, on a, on the product level. Um, so they post on nearly every day um, and have gotten involved in all sorts of ways actually around the app and the community. And then they uh, continue to be uh, like an advisory board for us, supporting 
the development of, of the product. So that is a major way. And then of course we do a lot of sophisticated analytics, um, you know, you know, thinking about user flows and journeys as well as um, analyzing, uh, you know, different trends, et cetera, that are helping to guide our, our, our product development roadmap. And I mean, the, the, the general mobile and digital ecosystem, you know, really wasn't designed for kids. Um, like, can you talk about some of the challenges that you've sort of faced along the way and scaling and, and, and maybe some of the challenges that you still deal with? Well, and I'd be super interested in your thoughts on this, actually. <laughs> so I, I know this is, I know I, this is your podcast. You get to make the rules, but I want to hear your thoughts after I go. Um, so I, I think what was, what was interesting, and, and I think it's turned out to be true, um, is that, you know, my, uh, Leah and I have three kids. Right. And, and one of our biggest observations was that the device that they use the most of ours, is it the TV? No. Is it our laptop? No. Is it the iPad? No. What is it? It's our phone. And, mm -hmm. and we were looking at the data in 2019-20 and time and time again, this, this number of, of people who were saying that they were using, uh, the kids use their phones is, is going through the roof, right? So, mm -hmm. so of course kids are using tablets. Of course, there is higher, there are higher percentages of kids who have, you know, for example, fire tablets, et cetera. Mm -hmm. uh, Chromebooks are used in school. But we're, we weren't developing a school app. We weren't developing a school mm -hmm. based. We were developing an app uh, for, for, for kids in their off time, right? And, um, you know, we realized that it had to be an app and that kids were increasingly getting their own cell phones at this age. Mm -hmm. So, um, and so we, uh, we, we made the decision to build exclusively uh, on, um, uh, on mobile. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that was the right, right call. Um, uh, and it is, it also is available on, on um, iPad and, and on Android tablets. Right. Um, so, so I think that um, there are a lot of, I mean, building on mobile is really tough, especially in an Android ecosystem where you have, um, you know, a bajillion different types of devices and, you know, different levels of quality and how do you get to scale? And that has been one of our biggest challenges from a technology perspective. But now that we're growing and we have the funding to hire Android developers, I think um, it's going a long way towards kind of delighting all sorts of folks um you know who use different types of, of devices yeah i mean and I, I think you know i mean i've, I've played around with zigazoo quite a bit and you know i think you guys have done a, a great job in terms of building a ux that you know allows that engagement you know with parents as well as kids and and and, and i think it's it's um you know it is i would say it's probably less hard to build you know, a platform like Zigazoo today than it was five years ago. And, and, and that in turn is less hard than it was 10 years ago, right? And it's improving. Um, so it, it's sort of great to see the progress, you know, because I think even now, like, you know, the app stores and, and a lot of the other sort of supporting, um, you know, players are much more cognizant of what kids apps need for support, for distribution, for discovery, for growth. You know, how do you how do you sort of communicate this stuff to parents as well? Um, so I, I think I, you know, I think the success of Zigazoo and success of a, a few of the other products out there are really, really important in just sort of pushing the industry forward. Because I, I still, I mean, I'm curious, like whether you think there's a, like, 
in general, like, although I haven't truly data mined this properly, like, I think the kids space is, is quite underinvested relative to the scale that's being achieved. I think definitely underinvested in, I think also, I mean, one of the problems, if I were speaking to the entrepreneurs who are listening, um, like, I feel like one of the problems is, is uh, in, in the kids space is that you, you can't be too, in my, in my humble opinion, like you can't be too content centric right so mm -hmm. so like a lot you know there, there are these massive ips in the world um that have developed for one reason or another right um many of whom we work with but if you build a whole tool around this massive ip and it loses you know favor or like the trend goes away like you you, you really need to build you know in, in my opinion to get the right kind of venture capital something you know, mm -hmm. kind of like what you've been able to build or what Roblox has been able to build, where it is a platform that is, um, you know, absorbing all sorts of different, um, you know, trends in IP and that can apply to, right. like, we thought we were, like, here's a great example, even within the kids space, we thought we were a preschool app when we started huh. and then realized that we were actually a six to 12 year old app, right. you know, and there are opportunities for expansion in multiple directions. And so, so, I mean, I think that there's, you know, you just, you know, I think, you know, one, one of the reasons, um, and there are many, but one of the reasons is that I think people get kind of too stuck into one, like three to five-year-old group yeah. whose market's not big enough, A, or B, they're, they're not, um, you know, realizing like that, like, oh, we could, we could do this in a different group or being flexible to what markets you, you could serve, et cetera. Yeah. Um, really curious though, like how have you guys thought about, um, you know, over time, uh, mobile versus, um, you know, other uh, mediums for, uh, for kids? Well, I think, you know, from a, from a super awesome point of view, we sort of, the, the development arc has been, you know, desktop web and, flash you know which hung around in the kids space for for longer than almost anywhere else um and then to 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 mobile tablet um and now i would say you know the 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 biggest or one of the biggest expansion areas is um smart connected tvs um you know which is dry i mean you see this with, with youtube numbers as well which is driving a huge amount of activity um but but again you know go <laughs> Going back to our, our um, multi-dimensional interoperability um, phrase that we have coined, um, <laughs> I must, must, must talk to Matthew Ball about that and get him speaking about it too. Um, yeah, but but yeah, but I mean, I I just think that like you know everything. I mean, the the, the kids space has always been a multi-platform environment. Like, of course, they they have their own device, right? But it doesn't mean that they're not at home. Also you know, using some other shared device, probably with a third screen on in the background, possibly with a smart speaker, you know, that's right. there at, at, at an ambient level as well. So you really sort of have this, this kind of mesh effect, um, which is, it, it's very interesting and it's very challenging in terms of building an infrastructure. Really, that. It's really challenging. I think that that is like, you know, a, a like one of the things that as an early stage entrepreneur, like I will, I want to also like impart to folks is like, is really challenging to, to, you know, build a social app, for example, like Zigazoo 
one of the reasons we were able to thrive and you know in this environment was because we kind of um, I think we're able to get product market fit with a demographic that others weren't serving. But, you know, the reality is people's standards are going to be that high. They're going to expect, like you just mm. said, that mm. at the level of performance is going to be at the same level as TikTok and YouTube. And by the way, that you're going to be on all of these other devices. And like, it's not easy or inexpensive to, mm. to, to make that happen. Well, that, that's why, I mean, I was very impressed, like with your investment round in terms of, you know, the level of, of celebrity that you brought in, you know, to, to, to the cap table and, and that like is creating content for Zigazoo because it's, it's like, you know, consumer acquisition in the kids space is very, very, very difficult. Um, but, you know, you are clearly breaking through all of that noise you know, with that sort of content approach. Um, was it was that like sort of a deliberate strategy from day one or were, did you end up iterating towards that and kind of experimenting a bit? Really good question. So I think about user acquisition in a number of ways. Um, you know, one of the things that I think any really good company does, but it's really, really hard to achieve is create a really efficient flywheel. Um, and so like Roblox does that like extraordinarily well, um, right? Where you have um, like developers who are developing these games, making revenue and influencing other developers and bringing their audience on, et cetera, and so forth. And um, obviously that flywheel works pretty, pretty darn well. Um, I think that, you know, that's the best kind of organic acquisition, but one of the best organic, um, you know, acquisition opportunities is when you really have folks who are engaged in your community, but also are engaged in other communities, right? Right. Um, right? They're engaged on a micro level in their school community at recess, they're sharing Zigasu. Um, but then when you have, you know, folks at the scale of Dolly Parton, Matt Damon, um, or some of our bigger kid talent who maybe some of you don't know, but you know, kids who are stars in Disney movies or Nick Nickelodeon shows or up and coming gymnasts or, uh, you know, figure skaters, you know, these, these kids have massive audiences, not only on Zigazoo, but also on Instagram. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they're, you know, able to, um, you know, a, it's like super inspiring. I, I think that's like one of the things like we we talk a lot about our kids as talent they're talented mm-hmm. right like mm-hmm. my son my six-year-old plays the piano because one of the kids on zigazoo is like this he's, he's like a, a big movie star and all these like uh very famous movies but he he plays the piano he does piano on zigazoo and so my son is very inspired by by Braden and now he plays the piano. So, so these are, these are kids who are extremely talented, who are bringing positivity into the world, but then are also, you know, connecting their Instagram world to their Zigazoo world and, and how how that kind of is able to create, um, you know, layers of, of influence and, and credibility has been really powerful. And then, you know, I think we also just like, you know, Zigazoo, has been, you know, really, really thoughtful about being mission first, right? Our mission is to give kids a healthy and safe environment and a positive environment for kids and to build the next generation of digital citizens. Mm -hmm. And when people like see that in the product and understand it, and then they see it in the reviews and they see it in the common sense reviews. And, you know, I mean, there's, there's just like a certain level of trust that starts getting built. Like we made a concerted effort from the beginning to work on getting a celebrity in every week to read a book. And, right. and you know, it, like it, it, 
it's great. Like, it's just great. Like, I can't, I can't, you know, I can't, you know, it's just a great feeling to see, you know, Aubrey Plaza from Parks and Rec on Zigazoo reading her new book about witches. This, it, it feels good to the parents. It feels good to the kids. It's mm. fun. It's positive. And I think like over time, we've just been able to develop out that kind of sense that, oh, well, if you release a children's book, you have to stop on Zigazoo, um, you know, just like right. almost, you know, when you're releasing a movie, you have to stop, you know, on the Jimmy Kimmel show. And so, you know, that that kind of stuff has, has really paid off. And then as we built out, you know, our community, our, our network, our brand, you know, the Zigazoo mm. brand is now, you know, becoming, you know, a name in entertainment, um, you know, in the consumer space, we're starting to see, you know, the the snowballing of it. If, if I hope that answers mm. your question. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that's, that that's super interesting and enlightening. What is your business model and how do you how, how has it evolved how does yeah. it continue to evolve yeah so um it's funny because the first time i heard of super awesome uh it was early pandemic and um my head of partnerships who's still our head of partnerships he came to us from nickelodeon he's an all-star dave if you're out there um but Dave got it. I was like, you have to meet these guys. It's super awesome. <laughs> They're doing this awesome, like safe ad model. And I was like, at the, just like, so at the time, just like, we got to keep it, you know, away from ads, you know, and, 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 you know, and, and so what we did was we developed this kind of customized partnership model, right. Mm. Where, where we said, okay, if you want a channel on Zigazoo, you need to pay. Um, if you want to reach the amount of eyeballs we have, you have to pay and you have to develop your own challenges um, or we'll help you make your own challenges. Uh, so we do two things. One is we uh, have folks who pay for annual campaign, or sorry, annual challenge, uh, channels. Right. So on an annual basis, they're paying us um, to have their channel and to be able to post a challenge at any point. And, um, and then we also have campaigns. So uh, we've released many of the biggest kids' movies this year. Um, so we have done Paramount, MGM, Gem, uh, Warner Brothers, uh, for example, like DC League of Super Pets, probably the, the last biggest kids' movie. Um, right. That that got launched. You know, they, they did a, a great campaign through Zigazoo. Those were campaigns um, that we ran. Um, you know, with with those movie studios. Um, so those are two main ways. And then we've um, we're actually building out a couple of really cool opportunities. Um, to be able to earn and uh, get like new rewards through Zigabucks, which is uh, kind of uh, maybe kind of like a parallel to or very similar to uh, Robux. It's it's mm -hmm. our own currency that allows you to do certain really great things uh, within the app. And so um, those are the, the the two biggest ways that we currently monetize. And how, I mean, it seems like brands have been responding, you know, incredibly favorably to Zigazoo. I mean, what like what what are those conversations like today? You know, how are they thinking about engaging with this audience? Is it getting more important for them? Yeah. Um, like, what what can you say about the, about those relationships? Yeah, so we we hold a very high bar for who we let on to Zigazoo, and so I think one thing that we're proud of is that it doesn't feel like advertising. It doesn't feel like an right. interstitial. You know, when you're on Facebook and suddenly like you like run into some ad where you're like, oh, I don't know why that's there. Um, it really doesn't feel that way. It's, it, it, you know, it's like Penguin Random House, which, you know, or Simon Schuster, <laughs> someone reading a book and then issuing a challenge or, you know, 
kids want to see these movies that are, you know, PG or G rated. And then they, they have a challenge, you know, Paw Patrol came on and there was like a fun Paw Patrol uh, video. And then it's like, you know, what, you know, who's your favorite Paw Patrol character is the challenge, right? So, so again, they're very, I would say, um, like, uh, like native to Zigazoo, right? They're not, they're not like taking you into another mm. space. And then I think the thing that's so, so special about Zigazoo, which is really different um, than every other social platform is A, we, we verify every user. So every mm. single view you're going to get is going to be like a legitimate human. We, we talk about that a lot. Like how many right. times do you pay, do we pay, you know, for marketing on a service? And then we are expecting that a, a high percentage of the views or impressions are going to be bots. Um, and so that that's that's a really special thing about Zigazoo. Yeah. It's higher quality views. But then the most probably cool thing to anybody who's going to be on Zigazoo is you're going to see the video. So if you've ever been on Zigazoo, you see all of these adorable reactions to your content. You see it working. You see kids like, you know, if you're, for example, um, the, the NBA, you're seeing kids wearing the hat, the NBA hats. You're seeing kids engage you know, with you in a very, very direct way that um, obviously is, you know, it's, it's, you know, a type of experiential marketing, right? So it's, you know, mm. you're doing the NBA challenge, you're talking about basketball, and then all of your friends see that. And, you know, so there's, there's a really cool opportunity to spread good messages and, and for people to kind of wear, wear whatever you're doing, um, you know, talk about what you're doing uh, to their friends, and, and it, it develops, you um, a different kind of effect than than your everyday just interstitial in in a you know between between videos yeah yeah no you can see when when, when you sort of thumb through the app like it's 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 very compelling it's very engaging it feels very native you know like it's it's it, it's a fun experience um you know and i I'm, I'm sure like the the engagement from a brand point of view like must be fantastic yeah, it's fun. I mean, it's fun to see these these big names come to us, whether they're celebrities or, you know, you know, my my favorite thing, though, that we're starting to do is like we have these kids who write the best challenges. No offense to all you brand managers out there. <laughs> like, the kids, they just know what to ask. Like Leah, my wife and co-founder is the head of education, and she actually every day go, goes through the challenges and supports Right, right. Um, all the brands and she's always like the kids are writing the best challenges they never run out of ideas <laughs> it's just it's just incredible well, you know? we've 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 got a lot of brands and a lot of agencies that listen to this podcast <laughs> so for all you people listening you know where the bar is now it's like you know find your nearest eight-year-old um, no, it's, true. it's true or you know for, for us it's like our so we're starting to actually have our kid talent support some of our brand development stuff so it's it's a very cool collaboration, right? Where you're actually getting the voices of kids in these like high level conversations, which is really special. That's that, that's amazing, Zach. All right, so last question to to round out this episode: What can you talk about your plans for the future? Where are you taking Zigazoo over the next um, few years? Describe your vision. Mm. Um, so it's a it's a great question. I'll I'll share as much as I can right now. I think. A I mean, feel of- feel feel free to drop some exclusives, but you know, <laughs> Dylan, you're good. Um, uh, two words: multi-dimensional interoperability. <laughs> <laughs> that is everything. 
drop the mic. No. Um, what uh, you know, the the future of Zigazoo is staying. We 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 really believe in uh, our flow, in our in where what Zigazoo at its core is, and we've mm -hmm. done everything we've done has is, has been uh, around this flow, challenge, response, reward. Mm -hmm. And we believe that there is a ton of opportunity in that flow to build in better rewards um, and marketplaces and opportunities for kids and um, and beyond to um, you know build communities, um, build out their fandom around um, this concept. Uh, and I think that there is a dearth right now of good opportunities for positive fan engagement on social so much of social is negative and can get drowned out in you know comments i think actually gaming is one of the best worlds where you can you know go through an experience without all of that mm -hmm. negativity and i think we're creating opportunities to engage in fan just like you would like you're you're you you live in uh, on the on the other on the other side of uh of the Atlantic Ocean, like it's just like you would, you know, hop into a bar, hang out, and like maybe watch we call it soccer, uh, like with your buddies, and it's just positive. And for those ones, positive. Maybe a bar breaks, uh, there's like a bar fight or something, but like it's positive, right? And like I think that's what fans desire. You want to go to a movie theater, you want to watch something together, and then you know talk about it afterwards with your friends. I think it's the same thing with you know fan park uh, with amusement park experiences. There is a desire for people to engage in amusement and fun and enhance their fandom um, in a social environment digitally. Um, and for you, if you come back over and over again and, and continue to contribute positively to earn certain things towards you know, what you love and to make friends along the way. And so we're building, I'll just, that's, that's a lot of, of qualitative, but we're building um, out the infrastructure for what we would consider is the future of, of fandom. Amazing. Well, this has been a superb episode. Zach Ringelstein, CEO, co-founder Zigazoo. Thank you so much for joining us on Kid Tech. Thank you so much, Dylan. It's been a pleasure.